Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We have more evidence coming up in just a moment of how in full effect Brocktober is for Brock Bowers. The level of attention that he is getting after his performance in the win for Georgia against Auburn on Saturday, truly well-deserved, an amazing thing to see. And I think you have to start taking it very seriously about the idea that by the time this month is over, when you move into the month of November, the season's final month of the regular season, at that point in time, Brock Bowers will be very much a part of the Heisman Trophy conversation. Perhaps unforeseeable for many when it comes to a tight end. We haven't seen a tight end win this award since 1949, I think it was. Uh, but you're going to see more examples here on today's show of just how real that's becoming. We'll do that in a couple of minutes. But prior to that, not everyone was all that impressed with what they saw from Georgia in the win against Auburn on Saturday. Even though Georgia showed some courage and some heart and some fortitude coming from behind to win, perhaps some of the things that Georgia did to put itself in that deficit to begin with uh, is the kind of thing that's getting some negative attention here, including from arguably the most prominent voice in all of the SEC here. That's the SEC Network's own Paul Feinbaum. Feinbaum makes a weekly appearance on the McElroy and Kublik radio show. It's WJOX there in Birmingham. I'll put a link to their interview on the podcast when um, we do the show, uh, uh, when I post the show at the worldfamousdognation.com later on today. But Paul Feinbaum kind of called out Georgia on Monday morning when he appeared on WJOX, specifically for what he sees is a different level of Georgia talent on this team compared to the last two national championship teams. These are pretty harsh words from Feinbaum. They're at the very least critical. Uh, I'm going to let you hear it, and I'm going to let you decide for yourself how much you agree. Perhaps many of you won't agree at all, but we can also talk about what the response to this should be. This is Feinbaum on WJOX in Birmingham going back to Monday. This very much feels like a hangover year. They just seem flat. I, I, it just seems like, you know, there, there's a talent drop-off. I think there's a couple of key injuries. But that game Saturday should not have come down to uh, one drive where if Carson Beck made a costly error, they could actually lose the game. That just should not be in the cards. And, and I, I, I didn't really buy in. A lot of people kept pointing to that game. We're all also well aware of the significance of that game, but of, of playing in Auburn. But it still shouldn't have mattered. Georgia has too much talent. But they don't have the talent, I, I think, fully blossomed or, or in bloom as they have in the past. And, and that's going to be a, really a serious challenge for Kirby Smart. So there are about three different ideas that Feinbaum expresses there. And one of the things that he says is, hey, you know, that game against Auburn should never have been as close as it is. That's one of those things that, at least if you're judging Georgia by a national championship level, I don't believe that statement's completely unfair. That we've seen Georgia over the course of the last two years mostly dominate almost every team that's played during the regular season. In most cases, Georgia's pretty well throttled its regular season opponents, including teams in the SEC. So for Georgia, national championship level, which it has been, of course, the last two years, has meant blowing out teams like it played on Saturday. The fact that it didn't, just taking at face value, 
I think we can fairly say eh, that was probably less than a national championship level performance. And I don't think you're being doom and gloom or being a seven and fiver or being something like that. If you just acknowledge that that's not quite to a national championship standard that Georgia played on Saturday, it's not the end of the world, but it is true that Georgia played below that standard and probably has played below that standard in every game thus far this year. I don't think that Feinbaum's necessarily wrong when he says specifically just that. But as far as the idea that this current team has a big talent drop off, well, that's where I think that you probably have some room for debate, some room for discussion. When Feinbaum says the talent hasn't come into full bloom yet or full blossom yet, that seems like a little bit more of a reasonable version of a similar take. But the idea that this team is less talented than the last two teams have been, I think most Georgia fans would say, while the first month would suggest that as a possibility, it is far too soon to sort of assume that is Georgia's reality here right now because the most important football of the season is yet to be played and Georgia's best football has perhaps yet to be played as well. But Feinbaum wasn't done on WJOX on Monday there in Birmingham, doubling down on that, even suggesting that if the big non-conference game that Georgia was supposed to have played against Oklahoma had taken place, that perhaps Georgia would already have a loss right now. One more time from Paul Feinbaum. He's fortunate that he's not going to have to go to Ole Miss in November. They're coming to him. Uh, you know, he's got Kentucky uh, this week as opposed to you know, going to Kroger Field. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of breaks on that schedule. But the biggest break may have been not having to go to Norman, Oklahoma. I know everybody has said, oh, man, what a, what a, that was too bad. But that Georgia would have shown everybody how good they are. They may have shown everybody how average they are. There's nothing I hate worse than a hot take about a hypothetical scenario because it can't be proven right or wrong. It's simply just a waste of breath. So what Feinbaum thinks would have happened if Georgia would have played a game that cannot be played, I, I simply don't care. That's a hypothetical scenario. Your hot take on something that can't happen is worthless to me. But the idea that, ah, oh, this Georgia schedule is a break for UGA. At that point in time, at this point in time, that conversation is very much out of style. You know, you if you wanted to do that back in the summer or right before the season began or something like that, if you wanted to have the conversation about, oh, Georgia getting a chance to take advantage of this week's off schedule, you could have done that then, but you don't have as many legs to stand on when it comes to that now. Georgia, as many of you are aware, currently has four top 25 teams on its schedule in the coming weeks, including Saturday, an undefeated Kentucky team that just beat Florida uh, this past week. So the idea that suddenly this Georgia schedule is some sort of huge advantage and this you know type of thing that's you know below the standard of what a national championship level team should be playing, the current AP top 25 poll I think simply suggests that that is wrong. So I don't want to hear a whole lot about, oh, Georgia's lucky it's playing an easy schedule. On the basis of ranked opponents right now, Georgia is not playing an easy schedule, including the game against Kentucky on Saturday. But as far as the overall point goes, the idea that Georgia's had a talent drop-off or, or Georgia's waiting for its talent to fully bloom, fully blossom, you know, this is something that Kirby Smart, in a roundabout way, sort of referenced yesterday with his weekly press conference. Smart was asked a question related to the Georgia identity. Now, we said yesterday in our show that we believe at least one aspect of this Georgia identity has come into full focus, that when it really needs to lean on one player, something that did not always have to do the last two national championship seasons, it's got the player the level of a Brock Bowers that gives you a chance to do that. So that's what we said is an aspect of the Georgia identity that came into full focus based on the way that it played uh, against Auburn on Saturday. But as far as the rest of that identity goes and how the identity that Georgia's trying to establish is complicated by 
what has been a little bit of a lackluster performance by the Georgia rushing game thus far, in part because of some key injuries. Kirby Smart also said something in the midst of discussing all of this that I think could stand as a pretty strong retort to some of the criticism from Paul Feinbaum. So let me let you hear Kirby, and then I want to use it to kind of make my own response to what Feinbaum said on Monday. This is Kirby Smart from yesterday. Yeah, the offensive identity is do what it takes. I mean, that's essentially what it always comes down to, right? You'd love to have this defined that we're just going to bully you and run it through you. Nobody really does that. I don't know anybody that just does it. If you have one identity, then that's what they're probably going to try to stop. I think our identity has been, you know, we've been up and down in the red area. We've been pretty dang good on third down. We've got a lot of things that we can work on. Uh, But as far as whether it's about the backs or not, we don't cry over what we don't have. You figure out what you got. And you figure out what you got, what they can do. So I'm not going to sit up here and complain about the, with the health or safety or uh, how many backs we've got. That's not what we worry about. What we do have, not what we don't. So I think that what what, what Smart says at the end of that statement there would stand as a pretty good response to what Paul Feinbaum says. Feinbaum goes on the radio, spouting off you know hot takes left and right. Georgia's got a talent drop off. Georgia's injured. Georgia's young. Georgia's whatever else. Kirby Smart says. We're not going to cry about what we don't have. We're going to use what we do have to be the best team we can currently be with the rushing attack, with the offensive identity, and everything else in between. And I think what Smart says there uh, I think is a pretty strong response. He didn't mean it as a response to what Feinbaum said. Kirby wasn't even aware of what Feinbaum said. But I do think that Kirby clip works pretty well with the Feinbaum stuff we just heard. And I think for Georgia fans, this is the way I believe you should look at this going forward. This is the way I'm choosing to look at this going forward there as well that Georgia's got a few weeks here to, to I guess, provide an answer to some of the questions that a guy like fine, you know, Feinbaum answers. You know, you wonder about the Georgia health. Well, you got a few weeks here for Georgia to get a little healthier, and once Georgia gets a little healthier, once Ladd McConkey's a full go, once Kendall Milton hopefully is a full go, once, you know, some of these guys are, you know, fully able to contribute for you, all of a sudden your view of the Georgia talent level, I think, could perhaps be a, a little different. And – You've got a few more weeks for a few of these young players who are playing a lot more than they've played in the past to also get some sea legs under them a little bit too. And once they do, I think that also gives you a little bit of a different perspective on what the Georgia talent is going to be. Right now, Georgia's winning. It's surviving. It's maintaining its status as the number one team. Uh, injured players are getting healthier younger players are getting more experience and eventually I think that has the potential of giving you a little bit different perspective on exactly what Georgia is from a talent standpoint but simultaneous to that and this is what's really important simultaneous to that as Georgia gets a little healthier gets a little bit more experienced gels a little bit with guys kind of in bigger roles than they've been uh, before simultaneous to that less talented teams less deep rosters of the teams that Georgia's competing with hey they're going through the stress test that every season provides and now all of a sudden now they're going to get more injured and they're going to have more guys kind of thrust into roles they haven't been before and all of a sudden the comparison between Georgia and its top competition in November uh, as opposed to comparing the same you know two teams in September October all of a sudden, that becomes a little bit more of a favorable comparison to Georgia because a great player can help you win a game, but it does take a roster to help you win a championship. And over the course of the season, the full value of the full roster of Georgia, beyond just the 85 scholarships, walk-on guys who are contributors and everything else, the full value of the full roster becomes a lot more easy to appreciate. So when Feinbaum says, there's a talent drop-off at Georgia right now, I think it's still too early to know. 
And I think eventually, as long as Georgia keeps winning, winning with what it has, not crying about what it doesn't have, as Kirby Smart says, but winning with what it does have, as long as that keeps happening and as long as Georgia keeps where it is, I think the full power, the full value of this full Georgia roster, I don't think that's been shown yet. How talented is Georgia and how does Georgia's talent compare to the other championship contenders? I think it's going to take us a few more weeks to, to figure that out. Which brings me sort of the next thing I wanted to discuss. Because while Georgia's in the midst of figuring this out, and admittedly, Georgia's got some real adversity right now. Georgia's got some real things to discover. Because it is somewhat easy at the moment for a guy like Feinbaum, if you want to take pot shots at Georgia, there are certain aspects of Georgia's play this season that have made that a little bit easy to do. They haven't been quite as good as on defense as they typically have been. Offensively, they're still trying to learn some things here. They're still trying to establish an identity, which is what makes the month we're in now, I think, for Georgia so important. We're having some fun here. We're calling it Brocktober because Brock Bowers proved himself on Saturday to be an individual player, the likes of which Georgia has rarely had in its program history. And for a team that's won the last two national championships, led by an ensemble cast where almost no individual player stood head and shoulders above the rest, even though many of them were first-round picks and top-ten picks and everything else. Uh, this Georgia team, just a little bit different identity, this Georgia team, perhaps at least for now, more reliant on one individual player than sometimes Georgia's been in the past. And luckily for Georgia, in the fact that it needs a great player, that it's got one like Brock Bowers. Now, what we believe is, is that Brocktober, the next three games this month against Kentucky, against Vanderbilt, then against Florida, this is the kind of breeding ground for what we believe is eventually going to be a real legitimate shot for Bowers to be in New York as a Heisman finalist and perhaps bring home the award. I think it'd be really cool to see a tight end get that opportunity. For those of us who are UGA fans, especially cool to see a Georgia tight end getting that opportunity. And the month where all of that really takes shape is right here in what we're calling Brocktober. Now, this is not just Carnival Barker BA kind of pushing all of this. This is not just me conjuring this up out of thin air. This is this is a thing that's actually happening. I'm going to give you a couple of strong examples of this here for a moment. First of all, the guy that will call the game uh, on Saturday night on ESPN, uh, Greg McElroy. McElroy has his uh, regular podcast that he does as part of the ESPN kind of family of podcast network, whatever else. Uh, well, you know, McElroy evaluating Georgia after Auburn to give you an idea of just how real and substantial the Brocktober narrative is going to be here. The guy that's going to call the game on ESPN on Saturday night, Greg McElroy, the former Alabama quarterback, this is what he said after seeing Bowers, what he did to Auburn on Saturday. Strong stuff here. Take a listen to this. Brock Bowers is ridiculous. He continues to just do things that are just beyond comprehension. He, he's so athletic. He's so difficult to cover. The run after the catch, um, just an amazing, an amazing player, an amazing performance. So he basically said, I'm taking this thing, little in-breaking route, takes it the distance, one of about four plays that are just highlight reel worthy that you're going to get from him. That is the level of praise that Brock Bowers is getting after the game against Auburn on Saturday, finally being recognized as what he always has been, Always been one of college football's best players. We believe now he is the best player in college football. And it's not just a broadcaster like Greg McElroy who's saying things like that. The guy who will line up as head coach on the other side of the field on Saturday night, Mark Stoops from Kentucky. Not the kind of guy that throws around a bunch of hyper hyperbole. 
he was also talking about Brock Bowers yesterday, including making a pretty wild comparison to one of the great tight ends we've seen here in the 21st century. Uh, Mark Stoops also had some amazing praise. Let me set this clip up for you to say that this is an audio clip, so you can't see this, but Stoops was asked a question about Bowers, and he had a look on his face while being asked about Bowers that was so like, oh my gosh, that the people in the room started laughing about it. So that's why you hear laughter at the beginning of this clip. And then Stoops goes on to make the pretty you know bold comparison between uh, uh, Bowers and Rob Gronkowski, uh, a guy that Stoops knew while he was in college. This is strong stuff from Mark Stoops as a way of really just giving you an idea of how real the whole Brocktober phenomenon is right now. Take a listen to this. Wow. Absolute freak. Absolute freak. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. What a what an incredible player, you know he's selfless you could tell you know he, he's a complete player he plays well without the football he plays well with the football uh he's a team guy you could tell that's a great guy to work around right there he you know he he steps up when they need him to um but but you know very unique player um i, I had the opportunity to be at kentucky i mean excuse me at arizona when gronk was there and i know people you know they're just different players both unbelievably great and talented just different you know this guy's something i haven't seen before i mean that right there is an idea of just how special player he is i mean you know mark stoops says hey he's like gronk and then a guy like stoops who's as veteran as they come says this is the kind of player that i haven't really seen before that's what georgia has in brock bowers right now that's why we're having fun with this whole brocktober thing it's fun to think about all of this attention propelling him to a Heisman Trophy uh, you know, type chase, but it's also necessary for Georgia right now because while Feinbaum got a lot wrong with his hot take about Georgia a moment ago, the truth is there is an aspect of this team is waiting for some of its talent to come into, to use the phrase that Feinbaum used, into full blossom, into full bloom. So how great is it for Georgia while it's waiting for that to take place? We believe it will happen. While it's waiting for certain guys to get healthier, and we believe they will, while it's waiting for those things to happen, it's got a guy like Bowers who can help save their bacon for right now. This is just a different kind of Georgia team. It's perhaps right now not as dominant as it's been in the past. But the end-of-season result can be the same. And while Georgia's waiting to kind of build itself into a team that can make a big push to go for 3-23 and 23 and win a championship again, while it's waiting for all that to take shape, leaning on Brock Bowers for right now here during the month of Brocktober, that doesn't seem like a bad idea to me at all. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. across all video platforms after that. Radio, Athens, Sports Radio, 960 The Rav, uh, podcast, all of the various podcast platforms there as well. We're just so happy that you choose to be a part of our show and we're so thankful that you've connected with us here today and a big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia for making it all possible there as well foundation waterproofing issues those can be big big challenges to face if you're a homeowner and that's why the name engineered solutions of georgia is a name that you really want to know because the name tells you everything they're about in two respects first of all the idea of solutions Engineered Solutions of Georgia is a solutions-based company. That means they are dedicated to helping you solve your problem. And if it's a small problem, 
They're going to simply give you the information you need to fix your small problem. If it's more serious than that, then that's where Engineered Solutions of Georgia rolls up its sleeves and really gets to work for you. The idea of engineered, uh, that's a word that means something to them because they have an entire team of engineers on staff to help you with your foundation waterproofing issues. There's nobody else in our marketplace that puts that kind of resource to work for you on whatever foundation waterproofing issues you might be dealing with. That is what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. They're also proud partners of UGA, which makes them fun to do business with. Longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. This is my foundation and waterproofing company. And I'm so proud to have them as a part of our show doing what they do as uh, well for all of you. I love making that recommendation to you because I feel confident knowing they're going to take good care of you. And in on top of all that, they also have a fully transferable triple protection warranty on materials, installation, and design. So give them a call. Very easy number to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. Engineered Solutions of Georgia is the solution for your foundation and waterproofing issues. All right, we have got a lot to do in our program today. Connor Riley coming up here in a moment. Also, special announcement yesterday from Kirby Smart and Mark Rigdon involves Dog Nation. I cannot wait to tell you more about that here coming up in just a little bit before our show is done today there as well. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And I want to spend only a couple of minutes on this because ultimately it's probably not all that important. But it is interesting. And I think it gives you an idea of how dominant Georgia has been that <laughs> A lot of teams don't seem all that excited about playing Georgia. You know, there had been some chatter. We're in kind of a, a time of, like, uh, SEC transition. The SEC is about to welcome in two new members. And in the future, there's not going to be an SEC East anymore, an SEC West anymore. Um, that's not going to be a thing. And so in the future, the SEC for a long term is going to have one of two scheduling models we believe in plays. It's either going to have a permanent eight-game conference schedule where you only play one permanent opponent each year, or it's perhaps going to go eventually, not in 2024, but eventually to a nine-game conference schedule where you'll have three permanent opponents every year. And for a good while last summer and for the last couple of years, we sort of operated on the assumption that the model the SEC would eventually land on, nine conference game, three permanent opponents. So there's been some chatter of, well, who is Georgia's permanent opponents going to be? The first and the easiest is obviously Florida. A good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. You've heard us say that for years. So whether you play an eight-game slate or a nine-game slate, Georgia's always playing Florida. And to its credit, I don't believe that Florida's tried to bow out of that just yet. So to its credit, there you go. It's been assumed, well, if you play the nine-game conference slate, then Auburn would then be the other kind of permanent opponent you know you would have. And then perhaps maybe it'll be South Carolina, who's your third permanent opponent. Georgia and South Carolina have been playing each other for a long time every year, even before South Carolina came to the SEC. A lot of people sort of think that South Carolina views Georgia as its biggest SEC rival. And so it just sort of stood to reason that Georgia and South Carolina would play each other every single year. Well, then you heard some, some scuttlebutt, some rumor that actually South Carolina didn't want to play Georgia, that they didn't want to play Georgia every year, that given the choice of doing that, they didn't want to. And so, so therefore, the, the rumors have been in a nine-game conference you know, slate world, in a three-permanent opponent world, that Georgia and South Carolina actually wouldn't be playing each other every year because, according to the rumors, South Carolina didn't want to. And there, it's easy to understand why they might not because Georgia is so dominant winning the last two national championships. Well, now I think you've got some reason to suggest 
that maybe Auburn don't want to play Georgia anymore either because uh, uh, Hugh Freeze, the Auburn coach, fresh off losing to Georgia on Saturday, goes to one of these like rubber chicken, like touchdown club type deals, and he's talking, and he goes in this whole thing of, you know, so sad and not be playing Georgia anymore. In fact, let me let's just let you hear Hugh Freeze here. Some people are going to take this as, uh, is he dropping a hint about what the SEC's future schedule is going to look like, mentioning Georgia fresh off losing to Georgia on Saturday. This is what I think is a slightly Weasley version of Hugh Freeze, which may be the only version that exists of him. But nonetheless, uh, here is Hugh Freeze talking about the, the sadness that he feels over the end of the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. Take a listen to this. Well, I mean, the game has changed, and um, I don't know that we coaches have the power to, to to do anything to really slow the changes down, and obviously the conference realignment has happened within our conference, and uh, I'm pretty confident that, that the SEC is pretty solid on where we are, and, and I think it, they'll enjoy the new rivalries when they get to see Texas and Oklahoma and among the great rivalries that we already have in our conference. and. You know, there, there'll be some, uh, I'll miss playing Georgia every year because I just got to experience it for my first time. And, you know, I, I loved every minute of it other than the outcome. I love competing against those type teams. And um, so there are some changes coming. So here's what I think you can do if you're a Georgia fan. There's, this is the reason why I play this clip. I think you can now officially claim yourself to be the winner of the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. Because what that is from Hugh Freeze is essentially the white flag. Uh, Auburn has now surrendered in the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. And here's the thing you got to understand. Georgia has bent over backwards to try to serve Auburn's needs a thousand times. Back-to-back home games in, what, 2011, 2012, whenever that was, you know, when the SEC expansion was taking place, when you brought in Texas and Missouri, moving the game early in the season because Auburn did not want to play in November. Georgia has done everything it ha- can do to try to help Auburn at the behest of the SEC Auburn still can't beat Georgia because of any of this kind of stuff. But Georgia, nonetheless, has cooperated and helped over and over and over again. And what does Georgia get in response to that? Hugh Freeze is like, boy, I'm going to hate to see playing Georgia every year. Uh, it's a shame this rivalry is coming to an end because it's been a special one. And I just now get a chance to, to be a part of it. Boy, real shame to have this coming to an end. Something tells me Hugh Freeze, perhaps not for the first time in his life, but something tells me for Hugh Freeze, not quite genuine in that belief there. And I also don't think that it's decided by any stretch what the future of the SEC schedule is going to look like. And if there are nine conference games, eventually Georgia and Auburn will play every year, no matter what Hugh Freeze you know, says. We'll see if Hugh Freeze gets a chance to hang around and be a part of it. But this tells you how good Georgia is right now. The fact that none of these teams want to play Georgia on an every-year basis, including a team like Auburn that's supposed to be one of this program's biggest rivals. And Georgia's tried to cooperate in every way that it can to help Auburn here the last few years. And what does Georgia get as a response to that? Uh, a guy like Hugh Freeze trying to weasel out of the rivalry altogether. Tough times in the plains there. And that is around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia Today. So before we are done, as I said earlier, Really big announcement yesterday from Mark Richt and Kirby Smart about a big event coming up in just a couple of weeks that Dog Nation very lucky to be a part of. We'll tell you more about that. We also want to get serious here about where things are from Georgia from a football standpoint. After a win against Auburn, ahead of a big showdown against Kentucky on Saturday with some real questions to be answered. Let's cover all of that ground right now as we welcome in Connor Riley to Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG Today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let's bring in Connor Riley here, a part of a Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia Today. And Connor, to kick off our show today, play a little bit of audio 
of Paul Feinbaum describing what he says is a talent drop-off for Georgia right now. Now, I do believe it's objectively true, and I say this as an intense Georgia partisan, but it's objectively true that I don't believe that Georgia has played up to a national championship standard yet this season. I think it's great to continue to win, and I believe that throughout the uh, you know next few weeks, that's what I expect Georgia to do there as well, and who knows what this team looks like once it gets to November or something like that. But for now, they've played less than the standard in which they played to the last couple of years. But I would probably scoff at the notion that there's some sort of talent drop-off for UGA that's causing this to be the case. So let me just ask you directly, do you think Georgia right now is less talented than it has been in its last two national championship seasons? I mean, I think you can make a case that Georgia's got the most talented player on offense in the SEC in Brock Bowers and the most talented defensive player in the SEC in Malachi Starks. So from that aspect, no. And I don't think Georgia's issues have been because of a lack of talent. Uh, you know, injuries have obviously been a big story for this team in the opening months of the season. I think they're in the process of getting healthier. There were no major injuries coming out of Saturday's game against Auburn. But, you know, I come out of that game looking at it like, you know, Jamon Dumas Johnson, Jamal Monday, we all thought this inside linebacker room was supposed to be a strength of the team, and they didn't play up to their standard on Saturday. Uh, the offensive line, which, you know, we came out of last season, some people thinking they should have won the Joe Moore Award. I know they don't have a Marius Mims right now, but this offensive line has not been up to snuff uh, from there. And, you know, a lot of those guys were on the same team a season ago. I don't think it's a lack of talent so much as it is, you know, guys haven't necessarily been getting better at those positions in the way we maybe expected them to do so. Like, sure, Georgia doesn't have as good of an edge group as it did in years past there. And in the running back room, I think, has taken a step back. But, I mean, I like what I've seen out of Dejan Edwards so far this season. When he's healthy, he's able to show that, that he, I don't again, game-changing might be too strong of a word, but he has a positive impact when he touches the ball. I, I would add Dylan Bell in there as well as what he brings to the running back room when called upon there. So, you know, an overall talent issue, no. I think it's in particular two areas of this team that we thought were going to be outright strengths, and they just haven't been so far this season. So how much do you think that can change here in the next few weeks? Can younger, inexperienced players become better because of the experience they're getting? Can guys who are banged up and either not playing at full go or not playing at all, can they get healthier? If we're looking at Georgia right now and seeing a team that's at least somewhat lackluster compared to a number one in the country national championship standard, can this team be dominant again by the time we get past Halloween, first college football playoff rankings come out? You know, Can this team be dominant once it gets to that phase of the schedule? It can be. The problem for me right now, the way I see it is, with the exception of this game against Kentucky, like after this, your next two games are against Vanderbilt and Florida, two teams that you know haven't exactly wowed when they've been out on the field this season. And I don't know how much benefit of the doubt Georgia's going to get for if they do come out and play you know relatively well against those teams. People are going to write them off as oh well, you beat up on two of the lesser teams in the SEC East. And I think in turn that puts a good amount of pressure on this Kentucky game. I'm not saying Georgia needs to come out and treat this like the Tennessee game they did a season ago because I think that Tennessee sort of atmosphere is a one-off in terms of what all that was. But if you're looking for a Georgia team to go out there and make a statement, I think this Kentucky game offers them an opportunity to do so, especially because you look at some of the areas where Georgia has struggled creating explosive plays, stopping the run. Kentucky's first, I believe, in the SEC in explosive plays given up in terms of giving up the fewest. 
And a week ago, Ray Davis ran for 280 yards against Florida. So you get a chance this weekend to try and fix some of the issues that have, I think, plagued this team early in the season, and you get a chance to show it against, you know, who knows how good Kentucky really is. I think Florida's the best team that they've played, and I don't quite quite frankly think Florida's all that good. But they're an unbeaten team ranked in the top 20, and so for that, you do have an opportunity to show something. Uh, we talked a lot about Brock Bowers. We're calling this Brocktober. And uh, honestly, Conrad would probably be hyping this up, whether it was justified or not. That's just kind of the way my blood boils sometimes. But when it comes to what others are saying, we played a clip of Greg McElroy calling him ridiculous, a clip of Mark Stoops calling him an absolute freak. You know, the national media, the respect from the, the, the sport is there. Brock Bowers is at another level and I think this has always been true I think now he's finally getting the credit for that Georgia really hasn't needed the individual superstar performance of the last couple of years because the entirety of the team at times seemed capable of playing as superstars this team probably needs Bowers more right now than previous Georgia teams have needed a player like this and they are getting everything they could possibly get from him and more so I think this is just a really fun subplot right now watching how good Bowers is how good he can be I believe it's absolutely legitimate that he could win the Heisman Trophy I think these next three games kind of really give him a chance to really be a part of that conversation come November when you get to the more I guess sort of crucial aspect of the season how much fun is it for you to see how big of a story the Brock Bowers what we believe final season at Georgia is becoming I mean, it's nice to, to sort of have the validation that before the season we all said he was the second-best player in college football. And quite frankly, I think now he's pretty clearly the best in terms of what he does for his team, the way he elevates them. Uh, that's not to take anything away from Caleb Williams, but we're going to see quarterbacks come and go and put up big numbers like Williams has. When is the last time we've seen a tight end do anything comparable to this? Uh, you can maybe throw Kyle Pitts out there in a pandemic-shortened season, but other than that, it's hard to recall someone playing Bowers' position. And I would point this out as well. Kirby Smart mentioned this yesterday. And the example that I use is if you go back and you watch Larry Bird highlights, the coolest or best part, it's not him shooting, it's not him grabbing rebounds or getting steals and whatnot. It's his passing. Like, he just makes some unreal passes. Yeah. That's what I link in Brock Bowers' blocking ability to. Uh, he just destroys people in that aspect of the game in addition to running through defenses and scoring game-winning touchdowns and rivalry games. And so, you know, my sort of barometer going forward was, you know, if Brock gets to New York, he needs about five 150-yard receiving games. He just got one against Auburn in a big spot. I think he's going to definitely need one in the SEC championship game to sort of put him over in that sort of big spot, assuming Georgia gets there. From there, can you find two or three more other games where he has a huge statistical output? Yeah. And, you know, whether it be 150 yards or multiple touchdowns. If you can get that from Bowers there, you know, like as far as the raw numbers, you know, they're never going to be what they would potentially need to be for him to get there. But if he has a big impact in big games, as he's had throughout his entire college career, I think he's got a chance to not only get invited, but, you know, again, if Georgia's the best team, in the, if, the, if Georgia goes unbeaten in the regular season and the number one team in the country, and he's very clearly the best player on the best team, we've seen that win Heisman trophies before. And so I also think you maybe should factor in the career aspect of this to Brock Bowers. He's been the best offensive player on the best team in the country in each of the last two years. And I, I do think that college ball in a way should find some greater way to recognize that other than naming him the best tight end in football once again. No, I think that's right. And the point that we've made here, we made this back during the summer, is that Kirby Smart said something during one of those you know, rare summer interviews 
that was a little bit different for him, and I do believe it's been validated by something he's also said this week. You know, he said something to the effect of back during the summer of, hey, we got to make sure we get the ball to him as many different ways as we can. That's not typically how Kirby has approached this, where Georgia, I think, takes a lot of pride in spreading the ball around. And last year, I believe, made a concerted effort to make Darnell Washington feel like he was a part of the offense with good reason. And sometimes that meant Bowers didn't get as many touches. Bowers only had two catches against Oregon, two catches against Kentucky, two catches against Tennessee. These were relatively big games that Georgia played in, in the case of Kentucky, where they needed as much offense as they could get. And yet Bowers wasn't necessarily a huge part of the actual, I don't want to say game plan, but the actual stat sheet wasn't a huge part of it that day. But coming into this year, it seemed like the attitude in terms of how they would use Brock was going to be different. And thus far during this, the, the, uh, the, the games, it seems like that's possibly true. He even joked, what, Saturday night after the game about – uh, you almost wonder why you just don't pass to him every single time, which is a very un-Kirby-like thing to say, and he was joking when he said that. But nonetheless, it sort of reflects of, you know, not only is Bowers different, Georgia actually recognizes that he's different. And I believe right now they are in the midst of starting to treat him different. They've treated almost any individual player, certainly on offense, since this smart thing really kind of got running a few years ago. Right, and – there are other aspects for that being the case, too. The running game just hasn't been there this year. There's not, you know, much less a, a Nick Chubb or DeAndre Swift-type player. There's not even, say, I would say, a Kenny McIntosh-type player back there at running back for Georgia. Wide receiver, you know, Vlad McConkie missed the first four games and is very clearly still not 100% there. Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint missed the first game of the season. Uh, it has not been a, a wide receiver core that has had its full away, array of weapons to this point. Brock Bowers has been the most, not in addition to being the best player in Georgia's offense, he's also been the most consistent, and there's something to that there. And I think if you're Georgia, look, you're well aware of the fact that, you know, guys can wear down over the course of the season, and it's much more important to have Brock Bowers 100%, or at least as close to 100% as he can be in those big November games as it is in these October games here. But I think with the way this Georgia offense is, with the fact that Georgia does have a first-time starting quarterback in Carson Beck, maybe not the worst thing in the world to lean on a guy like Brock Bowers and just get him some touches. That way it builds Carson Beck's confidence up even further to where it is. It's not a coincidence to me, but I think Carson comes out and plays his best half of football as Georgia's starting quarterback, which he did the second half on Saturday. And Brock Bowers had, what, 146 uh, receiving yards in that second half there. There's something to that there. And I think as Brock goes and builds, I think he sort of rises the tides of all boats. Uh, when it comes to his performance with this offense. All right, I want to talk about the Georgia defense for a moment here. And, Connor, you were a much better student than I was, so no doubt a much better test taker. I'm going to give you the kind of thing I'm sure you've succeeded with plenty over the years, which is a multiple-choice question. About the Georgia defense, is it A, not great yet, but eventually it will be, B, not great, but that's okay, Georgia can be fine with just a good defense, or C, not great and therefore problematic because of how important great defense has been to Georgia's last two championship seasons? Which of those three options feels most true for you right now? Right now, I would still circle A, but if you give me time to go back, review my answers, the end of the test, and think over it, I might change that answer to B uh, coming out of this game against Kentucky because, you know, again, you, you talk about this all the time. College football is our shortest sport. Regular season is going to be halfway over for Georgia after Saturday. Yeah. And at this point, you know, this defense has sort of shown us what it is. And at a certain point, I think you have to believe them. Uh, there are a number of reasons that this, this defense has been the way that it is. 
the edge group, quite frankly, is just not good enough, uh, certainly up to standard. Um, and I think you can look back at some of the recruiting misses at the end of Dan Lanning's time here at the University of Georgia and what Georgia maybe didn't get in terms of players in the 2020 and 2021 recruiting cycles there and why Georgia is so reliant on guys like Chaz Chambliss and even younger players like Marvin Jones Jr., who is essentially, you know, he was extremely injured last year with a shoulder injury. You know, you sort of treat him like a freshman in terms of him getting his feet wet and getting into a bigger role there. And so I think you saw that's part of the reason Auburn had big problems, or Auburn created big problems for Georgia on Saturday rushing to the edge. I also don't think the linebackers, as I touched on earlier, have been up to par with where that position has been in recent years. And Munden and Jamal Dumas-Johnson are returning players. And so they very clearly got some things to, to, to work out there. I don't think there's a truly, you know, dominate game-wrecking impact player on a down-by-down basis in that front seven this year. I think if there's anyone that can get there, it's actually Smile Munden. Yeah. But, again, you know, it, it takes time for him to get there, and he's someone who has missed time due to injury. So you think back to, say, Roquan Smith and where he was at his junior year. From a raw snaps played perspective, Munden is just not there yet. And, and so, you know, maybe he gets there in time and it becomes that type of player for Georgia. But they don't have, not just on the defensive line, which I actually don't think was the issue on Saturday, and they don't have an every-down impactful player in that front seven right now. And I know people can say Michael Williams. Michael Williams is a when it comes to passing downs and obvious passing situations. Yes, I'll grant you that there. But he's not yet the every-down run defender and stout player in that regard to where he is preventing teams from getting to the edge and making things difficult there. I do think this secondary can be great, but part of the problem there as well is is which team left on the schedule that that Georgia plays is overly reliant on its passing offense. Maybe Missouri. But, you know, Kentucky doesn't want to play that way. Florida doesn't play that way. Tennessee, Joe Milton's been very okay, and he's actually been far more effective with his legs than his arms, I believe. And so you look at the schedule and the way it sets up there, Georgia's going to have to find a way to stop the run better, uh, specifically quarterbacks running. I know Kentucky doesn't really do that, but in games coming up, that's going to be an issue. No, I think that's certainly fair. Um, I want to finish with this. I talked about the I talked to this with John Stinch about this with John Stinchcomb yesterday. I take some real um, meaning out of the fact that on our post game show on Saturday night, most of the comments, the calls, the the people dropping lines in the chat, most of it was really positive about Carson Beck, and that was true even though Georgia didn't score any points in the first quarter and Beck threw an interception. These are the kind of things that would be really ripe for criticism potentially. But I do believe that Carson Beck really won over a lot of Georgia fans on Saturday. And perhaps it's also a continuation of what he did second half against South Carolina. Um, I think a lot of Georgia, a lot of Georgia fans feel like Beck really passed his first test on the row with flying colors. And that kind of means something to me, Connor. You know, we're talking about a lot of different things around Georgia right now. But there's not very much negativity here right now around Carson Beck, and I put some real value in that. I think it's to Carson's credit that he's kind of winning over Dog Nation right now, and the the comfort level fans seem to have with him as Georgia's starting quarterback, the best that I can tell, it's really growing. Do you agree with that? I, I do, and, and I think that performance on Saturday, again, you know, first half, you see some of the worries that have persisted with regards to Carson uh, you know, the, 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 the interception there, a slow start on the offensive side of the ball, missing a deep pass there to Oscar Delp. But from there in that second half, for whatever reason, as the game goes on, Carson just becomes a more comfortable player. And, and I do think that eventually, again, you know, as he continues to get more and more reps, he's throwing about 160 passes now as Georgia's starting quarterback. You know, 
that, that's a good amount for Georgia's first five games there, certainly more than they had with Stetson Bennett last year. But he's still, you know, again, Saturday, this Saturday, it's another first for him. It's his first start against a ranked opponent. And so as we get these first out of the way, I do think that from there, you're going to maybe potentially see him get to a point where he's as comfortable in the first half as he is in the second half. And that, I think, is the most promising thing for Georgia, along with the fact, look, it's not lost on me that three out of four Lad McConkey's catches on Saturday were on third down. Yeah. Uh, getting a guy like him back, I think, is going to only further help Carson. And from there, if you do ultimately get, you know, your, your full cachet of wide receivers, Brock Bowers, Marcus Rosemary Jackson, Lad McConkey, you know, those guys have really only been on the field together for about five or six snaps so far this season. If Georgia gets to a point where they're able to be out there more consistently, I think that's only going to further help Carson back and allow this offense to take another step forward. Connor, it's a great conversation. We appreciate you being with us as a uh, part of today here on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. You've had some great stuff on uh, the dogs the last couple of days, and obviously plenty more to come this week, so we'll look forward to reading that. And, of course, talking to you back here on the program again next week at the same time as well. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really good stuff. And, you know, listen, I think that Georgia football is always a pretty big conversation. In other words, it's never about just one thing. Like, you've got this handful of things that you really like and this handful of things that you think you have the potential to really like. They could grow into something that, that you can really love. A handful of things over here that you're kind of worried about. We just put such a big magnifying glass on everything related to Georgia football that all these topics become really, really big. And there's always going to be a list of topics kind of intertwined together as relates to what Georgia is as a football team. And each Saturday provides a new data point to kind of figure some more of that out. I think the one on Saturday against Kentucky is a big one. And I've told you, you know, while I obviously expect Georgia to win, there's a little bit of nervousness for me about this game the way that I haven't typically felt, certainly in our regular season games the last couple of years. I think, I think it's a big test for Georgia on Saturday and one that I cannot wait to watch unfold with a raucous, loud crowd there on Saturday night making a major, major impact on that game. Let's also get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Of course, one of the things you know is big things going on with Royal Caribbean in 2024. Icon of the Seas debuting January of 2024 what a thing that is and listen i'm still hopeful to get a chance to hopefully be on icon at some point in time early 2024 because i'd love to be able to tell you about how great that it is and i think to really be able to have the most authentic expression of that i need to really experience the ship myself in order to do that at least that's the uh, that's the pitch that i'm making here right now hopefully it goes down that way utopia of the seas of course in july that's going to be a fun one the brand new oasis class ship specifically designed for those three and four night sailings going out of port canaveral that's really fun and speaking of port canaveral we want you to be a part of this the Dog Nation Cruise for 2023 is going to be unlike any we've ever had before. The biggest and the best yet. April of 2024, leaving out of Port Canaveral. Easy port to get to right here from the Atlanta area where I live. Going to Nassau in the Bahamas. Going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. Being a part of that wonderful experience. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. Specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean selected her because they know how well she will help take care of all of our needs for a great Dog Nation cruise. In fact, she's put a great website together for you. It's dognationcruise.com. Excuse me, it's royaldogs.com. Let me say that. Royaldogs.com. I don't know where that came from. Royaldogs.com. That's where you go to. Royaldogs.com. You go there, get all the information you need about the Dog Nation cruise. Royaldogs.com for more on that. We'll see you April of 2024. 
on board Allure of the Seas for the Dog Nation cruise. We'll react to a fun announcement from Georgia yesterday and one of the uh, great figures around the program's history here in a moment. Prior to that, though, let's go uh, cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey announces that he will attend the Texas-Oklahoma game, obviously the famous State Fair game, the Red River Shootout, we still call it, although I guess officially the game is known as something different there now. And it's just important to note, this is the last time this rivalry game will be played prior to both these teams joining the SEC. And it certainly appears like right now that when both Texas and Oklahoma join the league officially next year, they're going to do so with what appears to be a pretty good bit of steam. You know, Oklahoma's not very good last year in Brent Venable's first year, but they have been very strong here this season thus far. And I think that Oklahoma is a threat to Texas on Saturday. But I think you have to give Texas a lot of credit for how it's played thus far this year. I realize the whole Texas is back thing is a – you know a joke and it's kind of a meme that kind of gets you know laughed at because of how infrequently that's turned out to be true i'm not trying to play the texas is back card on you right now i'm simply trying to point out that some of the stuff that texas has been knocked for this year they don't seem to be doing first of all they're tougher they're better along the lines of scrimmage than they've been they're better defensively than they've been you know the kind of well texas may beat a good team they beat alabama but they're gonna fall apart against a bad team that wasn't true against Baylor. It wasn't. And the blowout dominant win they had against Kansas on Saturday, I know that Jalen Daniels doesn't play in the game, so that obviously impacts you. But to once again win that game with ease, that still says a little something, I believe, about what Texas is right now. So Greg Sankey is going to be there, but you better believe the rest of the SEC is going to be watching this game closely because there are programs right now that feel like they're teetering on the brink they're not quite sure about their coaches we said this yesterday about these second year coaches that you can always claim hey it's my first year i need time to grow but in the sec you're not really allowed to say it's only my second year because of how many teams have had great success in year two with a brand new coach so there are a lot of sec teams right now who are nervous about their situation anyway and the arrival of Texas and Oklahoma, the elimination of divisions for SEC East teams that have gotten used to playing, you know, somewhat weaker SEC opponents on a yearly basis. A lot of things about this league are about to get tougher. And I'm no fan of Texas. And, you know, frankly, Oklahoma is not always my cup of tea either. Uh, but there's no doubt it's changing the landscape of the SEC. And both these teams look pretty good right now. Sankey being there is a reminder that next year they're going to be as SEC as anybody else, even if they don't have quite the same history and pedigree. And the rest of the league being ready for just the overall depth that two more quality programs provides, it's going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, question of this offseason. And you're going to see some panic firings because of it. That's the point that I'm getting to. I believe you're about to see in this offseason a bloodletting of SEC coaches. There's just going to be a lot of potential change over here because everybody wants to be ready for what the new SEC is going to look like. And no one wants to get caught, you know, two steps behind at a time in which the league is about to take a big step forward with its overall you know competition level let me also talk about tennessee here for a moment uh they got some bad news on saturday we didn't address this yesterday they've lost wide receiver brew mccoy to a really pretty gruesome looking injury if you uh saw or read anything about this and we always hate to see anytime a player goes down with injury being a georgia rival doesn't change that fact but this is a little bit of a reminder also what i said a little earlier that as the season goes on the Georgia roster will matter more. The overall strength of its 85 plus the capable walk-ons that it sometimes employs as well. The, 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 the depth of the roster, the strength of the roster, when you go through the stress test of a season becomes more valuable. And so whatever Georgia's talent level relative to the rest of its competition appears to be now, in all likelihood, that will go up as the season goes along 
because as more and more players get injured, all of a sudden you realize number twos, number threes on certain rosters does not quite add up to what a team like Georgia possibly has. And I'm not gloating here over the Brew McCoy injury. I'm not. I'm just simply pointing out that, hey, when you've got you know a good receiver helping out a quarterback who's trying to find his way, you know, all can seem sort of fine and well, and that can kind of cover up. It can be a little bit of an eraser for some of the other blemishes you may have, you know, elsewhere on, on your roster. But when that guy goes down and injuries are just a fact of the matter in football, all of a sudden then the magnifying glass is out for some of the other things you have going on. What you find out is, oh, you know, we don't quite have the same depth as so-and-so team does, as so-and-so team does. And a lot of those teams are going to go through that here over the course of the next few weeks. So whatever Georgia's overall talent level is, relative to the rest of its competition the likes are we see that in a more favorable light come November because Georgia either gets healthier or Georgia gets more experienced or Georgia just you know flat out has a greater number of contributing players than some of these other teams that don't have the same level of recruiting success and haven't been able to use the utilize the transfer portal to fill the holes they do have and then when they have a small handful of injuries which everybody will have over the course of the season all of a sudden that depth is called into question and it's found to be lacking I'll also give you this finally. Uh, this is very funny. It's not related to the SEC, but Georgia fans are going to like it nonetheless. Uh, you've perhaps seen that Lou Holtz in his uh, top 25 ballot has dropped Ohio State five spots, even though the Buckeyes didn't play this past week. It certainly seems like a kind of spiteful response uh, to what Ryan Day said about Lou Holtz. And listen, if I'm 86 years old, here's what I can promise you. If I'm lucky enough, if, if God keeps me on this planet that long, here's what I can promise you. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to rank Ohio State first or rank them 25th or not rank them at all. And I'll drop them on a whim because if I'm 86, I've earned the right to do whatever I want to do. So uh, you can certainly criticize Lou Holtz for being spiteful or Lou Holtz not doing the right thing or whatever it is that Lou Holtz is going to be criticized for doing here. But when I'm 86, here's what I can promise you. I am going to do whatever I want. And if it's Holtz who's all of a sudden made an enemy out of, uh, you know, Ryan Day here and that, uh, you know, suspiciously dark black beard that he has that does not seem to be uh, of a natural variety um, if that's the case what's the old saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend uh guess what that makes Lou Holtz our friend because Ryan Day is undoubtedly our enemy so good for Lou Holtz pretty entertaining stuff we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean now speaking of entertaining big week coming up here in the Atlanta area including on Saturday when the Atlanta Braves begin their postseason run. That's right, the 2023 Major League Baseball postseason's here. We're getting ready to find out who the Braves are going to be playing as wild card action kind of uh, takes uh, place here. But keep in mind that this Saturday, Game 1 is right there at uh, Truist Park, and then Game 2 is going to be coming up on Monday there with all of that. Now, you know how the Braves finished the season. Best record in Major League Baseball. They have secured home field advantage throughout the playoffs. It has been a record-setting year. Uh franchise record for RBI from Matt Olson, the 40-70 season from Ronald Acuna. Everybody's uh, been watching the Braves. I'll say as a lifelong Braves fan, they've had some great teams, but the team that's been the most fun to watch has been this Braves team. 104 wins 
And we also believe the best could be yet to come here in the postseason there as well. Well, don't forget that this week the Braves are doing a really cool thing. And this is an actual – this is an amazing thing. So as a way of kind of getting ready for the postseason, they're doing some like – I guess you'd call these like simulated games uh, there at Truist Park involving the Braves, some of the Gwinnett Stripers, things like that. It's almost like – this is probably not quite the way they would say it, but it's almost like like the Major League Baseball version, like a G-Day or something like that, where they're going to be out there, they're going to be simulating action – just trying to keep the Braves fresh because when you win 104 games, you've taken care of your business. Now you're waiting for somebody to earn the right to play you. So the Braves aren't going to sort of sit by and stand pat while they're waiting on that. They're going to do some stuff Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday right there at Truist Park. And the cool thing is, is you have a chance to register to actually get a chance to attend this and see it for free. It's, it's a really amazing thing. Um, but you got to claim your tickets in advance to be able to do this. So go to Braves.com slash postseason. That's the website, Braves.com slash postseason. You get all the information you need on this. You can register for your chance to get some passes to get in for this. It's free, but you got to register to do it. And I think this is actually going to be a lot of fun. First of all, Truist Park's a beautiful ballpark. Just hanging out in there is really fun. I know the tickets are pretty scarce for the actual games themselves. So this may be your best way to to get in and kind of be a part of this with the Braves. And plus, if you just love baseball, watching the way a team like this goes through some workouts, and they're going to like simulate certain aspects of games, I understand. So they may do like a late inning type thing or like a you know high leverage situation type thing. That just sounds fun to me. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, that's today, tomorrow, and the next day, uh, go to braves.com slash postseason. You can register for your chance on all of that. Uh, one more time, uh, braves.com slash postseason. Atlanta Braves baseball as one as we move towards the postseason here starting on Saturday. Now, speaking of fun stuff, yesterday, unbelievable announcement made by uh, the former coach Mark Richt along with Kirby Smart there at the Georgia Press Conference. And we're going to talk to Mike Griffith more about this tomorrow because Mike's actually been kind of instrumental in kind of helping some of this kind of take shape. Dog Nation, thrilled to be a part of this there as well. Uh, Coach Richt obviously suffers from uh, Parkinson's disease, a terrible disease that many of you have had folks who are impacted by uh, your family, perhaps you yourself. Uh, Coach Rick's granddaughter, Jaden, also suffers from Crohn's disease. So Coach Rick, who has always used his life for the betterment of other people. I mean, we're talking about a guy that just inspires us every single day in every single way. That is exactly what uh, Coach Rick is uh, all about. And the next sort of chapter in his journey and all that is a big uh, bowling fundraiser event to help raise money for research when it comes to Parkinson's disease and Crohn's disease, really seeking to find a cure for all of that. And the other thing about this is the thing we love about uh, you know Coach Rick, too, is the way that he finds a way to make stuff like this fun. Like, like Coach Rick just has the best, just sort of easygoing, easy-to-get-along-with type personality, and that was on full display yesterday. It's already late today, so we're not going to do this today, but tomorrow we're going to kind of play you more of some of the stuff that Coach Rick and uh, Coach Smart had to say about all this yesterday. Um, but this is going to be a fun event. Uh, Coach Smart's allowed some Georgia players to be a part of this. They're going to kind of have their own sp- some of the players, their own spot in each of the lanes there. It- it's an amazing thing, and I want you to go to this website. Uh, you can go to dognation.com to find out more about this, but there's also a website that you can go to to kind of learn you know, kind of more about uh, what this is and what it's going to be. It's just an incredible thing, you know, kind of going down, making money for uh, 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 Crohn's disease and uh, Parkinson's disease. Let me just get you to go to dognation.com for that there on uh, on that for now. We'll give you more about this information. 
Well, it's going to be October 18th at 6.30 p.m. That's October 18th at 6.30 p.m. I thought I had the link to this, but I've messed that up. That's my fault. So we'll tell you more about this, obviously, in the coming days. But there's a chance to sponsor it, a chance to be a part of, and a chance to help Coach Rick raise some money for a wonderful cause. Dog Nation, we're thrilled to be able to help you stream that live. So for those who aren't sponsors and can't be there, because it's not an event that's like open to the general public, um, but obviously, for a lot of folks who just want to, in spirit, kind of support Coach Rick, we are lucky enough here at Dog Nation to be able to stream this live. I am going to be able to host that, which is one of the thrills of my life because of how much respect I have for Coach Rick. Obviously, I had a chance to spend some time with him a couple of weeks ago, and he's just as great as ever in terms of just to hang out with and just just be a great uh, influential figure in so many of our lives. So this is going to be an amazing thing. Uh, Dog Nation is going to be able to stream this live. Many of you through sponsorship are going to have a chance to be a part of it. You can go to dognation.com, get some more information. I'll also make sure I have a little bit more of this to share with you uh, tomorrow there as well. So big, big event coming up. It's October 18th. That's the Wednesday of the bye week uh, right there in Athens. Wonderful bowling event with Coach Rick. Georgia Player is going to be there. You have a chance to kind of help sponsor this and help raise some money for research when it comes to Parkinson's disease and Crohn's disease. What an important thing that's going to be. Also, before we wrap up, let me also give you a uh, shout out here to our friends at Discover Dunwoody. Sheree Byra, one of our great folks who uh, weighs in a lot around Dog Nation, been to a lot of our Dog Nation events. She was talking the other day that we've been talking about the Dunwoody thing so much that she and her husband came and they got a hotel in Dunwoody the other day. They wanted to stay in Dunwoody because of the fun they'd been uh, hearing us describe around this uh, Dunwoody area. And so you can do just like the buyers did and be a part of all of that. Uh, DiscoverDunwoody.com and the website to go to DiscoverDunwoody.com slash Dog Nation for more information on this. We told you there's more than 2,000 hotel rooms around here, hundreds of restaurants, whether you want fine dining or quick service or something in between, a shopping experience, like 300 different shopping experiences here. Just a great, great time. If you want a weekend away in the Atlanta area, the Dunwoody area is a great place to be for that because it's kind of family friendly and there's all kinds of things to do. Plus, nestled between two MARTA stations, there's also easy access as well to Buckhead, Midtown, Downtown, the airport, wherever you need to go. Uh, those MARTA stations can give you quick access to all of that. So we're thrilled to be here in the Dunwoody area. We love hanging out around here and having our studios here in Dunwoody. We'd love to share it with you when you come to the Atlanta area for whatever event you may be coming to Atlanta for. So check out discoverdunwoody.com slash dognation for more on that. Discoverdunwoody.com slash dognation for more on that. All right, handful of golden shoes to give you on the way out here. And as you would imagine, as Brocktober continues, a lot of Brock Bowers-themed golden shoes today. Let's show you our first uh, golden shoe here. Uh, yeah, how about this Louisiana dog writing in? He's at Country Dogs on Twitter. Hashtag Brocktober begins. Hashtag Go Dogs at Dog Nation Daily. We love that, Louisiana. Good stuff there and a nice photo of the one-handed catch as well. Uh, Brocktober, no doubt, is on the scene here. Great share from our, our buddy Louisiana Dogs there on that. Uh, Barkalot on Twitter also writes in, while Bark Bauer, Brock Bowers is a superman, he's really Captain America, the best college football player in the country. So yesterday we had the uh, Superman-themed uh, Brock Bowers. Barkalot says he's more of a Captain America. Uh, I love all that. Hashtag Brock Bowers for Heisman. Hashtag Golden Shoe. Hashtag Brocktoberfest, which you love there as well. And I got to say, Brock Bowers looks pretty good as Captain America right there. That's pretty good stuff. 
I think we have one more golden shoe today there as well. This one's a little bit different. Stephanie Osteen sent this in. Uh, some fish flopping around on the uh, grass in honor of the Auburn players flopping after getting injured. She says it's a bunch of Auburn players. Very funny stuff from Stephanie there. We will give her a golden shoe for that as well. Lousy stinking Gators. They have the unfortunate designation of being the final game for Georgia of Brocktober. And the uh, sort of next step on the uh, Brock Bowers journey towards the Heisman Trophy, this is the month where it all starts to take shape. Lousy stinking Gators, one of the victims, 25 days from now. That is our Gatorator countdown. We will see all of you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.